I'm Gab, he's Don, blue skies over West London. I'm back, I'm sorry, Jules has the day off. Understandably, it's like to have you on board, Don. Nice. We have a lot to get through. We've got huge wins for Bayern, for, for Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, we got a big game this evening in a few hours here mm-hmm. in the Premier League, United and Liverpool. But we're going to start in Newcastle, close to where you were born. Uh, Newcastle United and Manchester City battled to a 3-3 draw. Just when you think City and Liverpool are so far ahead of everything else, <laughs> they find themselves 3-1 down yeah. with, with what, like half, half an, an hour, hour to go? Yeah. And... I look at this, and I don't think it was a case of City being poor. No. It was Newcastle being really, really good. Yeah, it was. Uh, when City took the lead, Gab, there was a 25-minute period after that where Newcastle were phenomenal. They were absolutely brilliant. They took it to Man City. They put them under pressure. St. Maximan had his best ever game in a Newcastle shirt against elite opposition, and they struggled. John Stones was all over the place with him. Carl Walker, who was a really efficient, rapid right-back, was struggling, and Newcastle pumped them at, at one point in the game. They took it to them got a 3-1 lead and you're thinking Newcastle can win this unfortunately for Newcastle there was still half an hour left on the clock and you know what Man City are like and they went through the afterburners they turned on the gears they got it at 3-3 then at that point with whatever 10-50 minutes ago I'm thinking they'll win this 4-3 5-3 but Newcastle produced a brilliant game to be honest Cap it was one of them games where you sit and watch it and it was a classic it was oh, a brilliant it was, game it was phenomenal um, entertainment we should point out too like Newcastle were good. Nick Pope also made some really yeah. big saves. But at the other end, Newcastle um, also had, had chances too. I, I just want to ask a little bit, not to be too negative here, but is defensively, are things a little bit worrying? I mean, or, or do you look at Kyle Walker and you say, you know what, you're only going to play Alan St. Maximin twice a year. Exactly. He has your number. You'll get better. Like, that's not so much a concern. But defensively, no Laporte, Nathan Aki goes out after 20 minutes. Are they a little short there? I don't know. I mean, when you're watching the game and you see Nathan Aki come off with a groin strain, they bring on Diaz, you think, ah, that's not bad. Uh, That's not bad at all. I think with Pep as well, he's got the ability to put Rodri back there and Calvin Phillips in the middle of midfield if needed. Done that forever with people like Mascherano and Fernandinho. He's got that that tool in the box, if you like, to put a midfielder player back there because nine times out of ten, they have the ball. I think it's all right. It's like Liverpool. You go, Liverpool's short in midfield, yeah, because they've got a million injuries, but who sees it coming? So I think Pep was sort of... I think Pep was good after the game. I think he realised it was in a really, really good game. Brilliant for the neutral to watch. He obviously wants to win the game because they want to win the league and they want to take all three points. I get that. But I think he'll, I think he'll move on pretty quickly from that result. Um, I want to talk about how they got back into it. Um, obviously, you had Erling Haaland pouncing in the box. And it was interesting because he'd had a, an incident earlier where he hit the post... He had this, the other one where he was through one-on-one with Nick Pope. Or Pope, I mean, he, the, the guy's like a spider. He's like Gumby. He's, he's like legs and <laughs> Don't arms give him the stuff. ball at his feet. Just tell him to make saves. Um, it was tremendous. But then he just found that space in the box uh, to score. Yeah. And then we saw De Bruyne doing the De Bruyne thing. That, that pass to Bernardo Silva. I don't know where it ranks on the list of De Bruyne's greatest ever passes because yeah, he's had right so many. But I... How do you do that? Is he, I mean, as, as a former midfielder yourself, I'm, yeah. I'm not suggesting you were De Bruyne. No, right? no, no. But is the difference between somebody, it's not just the ability to execute the pass, it's the ability mm. to see it, right? It's, it's, it's all the things that if you ask a professional footballer, how did you do that? The honest answer is we don't know because it's just in, it's an ability to have the biomechanics and the vision to spot the pass and have the realisation of where you're on the pitch and there was black and white shirts right in front of him. Joe Willett was 10 yards away from him and he nutmegged him 
from 10 yards away. And then he watched the run of Bernardo Silva off the right-hand side, and he put it into an area nine or 10 yards in front of him, and the weight of pass was perfection. It was ridiculous. I remember having this conversation with a pal of mine in Ireland at about two o'clock in the morning. I'm now in his phone as Einstein. He calls me <laughs> and I call him and Einstein comes up because as I said to him after a fair few Guinnesses, I said to him, I said, ask us how we do it. We don't know. I said, you ask me a mathematical question. I went, I've got no idea. My maths Wait. are horrendous, but I can do an equation on a football pitch where I can be in the middle of the park. I've got a 27-yard pass. I can see Ryan Giggs running at nine. 16 miles an hour and I can deliver the ball a yard away from them how we do it we don't know but it's muscle memory over the I, years what I'm curious about in your experience as an ex-pro were there situations where you could see passes like that but you say I don't have the ability to hit the pass I'm, I'll just end up giving the ball yeah, away yeah. most likely depends on your it. confidence levels but, but I mean it's, you could see passes and you say yeah. Yeah, I, I can't hit that, yeah. that, is, is, that is that what True. happened to you or was it a case that there's just some passes you just don't see I think there's so many things that go through your mind in terms of how the game's going. If you're two or three nil up, you'll try the pass because what's to lose? I think if the game's tight, you wouldn't try that sort of pass. Right. But De Bruyne tries them because he can do it. He's got a range of pass. I mean, as I said, Gab, when you nutmeg someone from 10 yards away, that's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible because Joe Willock will watch that replay and he'll go, how did my legs not close? How did my brain not get the signal from there to there to shut my legs? And he'll kick himself. But De Bruyne has just got that ability gap where he spots the pass. So again, the biomechanics of seeing the pass, arms in the right position, legs in the right position, the weight of pass, the execution of the pass, the run from Bernardo Silva. It's why I think he's the best in the world. All right, let's talk a little bit more about this Bernardo Silva thing because it's one of the drums that's been beating in Barcelona all summer long. And personally, I wasn't really buying this because I thought, oh, it's just, you know, Catalan media nonsense like mm -hmm. they haven't even registered Joel Kunde yet we're going to get into that later but also I thought does Bernardo Silva make Barcelona better yes yeah. he make any team better yeah. do they need him I don't know you got Pedri you got Gavi you got Rafinha if you want to play him wide well you've got no shortage of wingers Rafinha yeah. Dembele yeah. the Ansu Fati guys pretty yeah, good pretty Fernando good. Torres so you're leaving aside the expense as well um He's 28 years old. He has a contract through 2025. Mm. Um, do you see this happening? No, in not, not at this time, Gab. I think if you, if, you, if you go back probably a month ago and Bernardo Silva knocked on Pep's door and said, I really want to go to Barca, I want to leave, I think Pep's t the type of manager like he did with Leroy Sane and Raheem Sterling, he'll move them on because he'll think he can buy or improve players. I think now, with limited time to spend the Bernardo Silva money, and buy a replacement who is equally as good, I don't see it happening. My, my gut feeling is, from being a player, is I can imagine they've had the conversation, and I can imagine Pep's conversation towards Bernardo Silva is, you can't go now, but if you give me another season, we might think about it next season. Well, You've got to give me more time to buy a player. That's the thing. He's locked into a long-term contract. So it's just slightly different from... You know, Sané have had his injuries, and mm -hmm. they got an enormous offer. And he was making noises to move. Yeah. Sterling had a year left on his deal, so it was a question of, you know, do I extend the deal? Yeah. I don't think Bernardo Silva is necessarily going to get a new contract because he's 28 years old. The contract would take him up to 31. If he does get an extension, I think it's going to be a short extension. Mm -hmm. So he may say, I want a long-term deal somewhere else for my yeah. security. But, and, he's, and City probably aren't going to give it to him now. Unless that's the move from his camp where he's saying, let me move or give me a new contract. But it just seems odd that 
is Barcelona, who, again, I don't think Barcelona have a tremendous need for him, leaving yeah. aside all the other financial machinations that are going on there. Maybe it's just, so, e- maybe it's just easy for your agent to say, oh, Barcelona want him. Because... because Possibly. Um, I also think he would be a huge loss because Kevin oh, De Bruyne has had his injuries. Were De Bruyne to go down and knock on wood, he doesn't because yeah. he's a joy for anybody to watch. Mm-hmm. We've seen Bernardo Silva operate through the middle. Um, he can do some of those things and you can get, you know, with Bernardo Silva gone, you know, you're, looking at, short. you're looking at what, Foden in that role? In Grealish. A big season for Jack Grealish this season. I, you know. I don't see it. I, I He's so well integrated into the city machine as well yeah. that, you know, you're moving him there to do what? To, to play as a winger when also, this is the other thing, I mean, supposedly Barcelona, supposedly Xavi likes his, likes his wingers who stay wide. Mm. Um, I just so don't, I don't see it. Gonna, is he going to be central? I don't, I don't see it. When you've, when you've moved Sterling, Zinchenko, Jesus on, that would be a big wrench to lose Bernardo yeah. Silva at this time. Let's talk uh, about Holland uh, in this game. I thought it was a quiet first half. I actually thought Botman and Cher did a pretty good job on him. Yeah. Um, but then you're not going to keep him down for 90 minutes, are you? No. I think he had eight touches, didn't he, the week before against Bournemouth. Do you know, Gab, I think he's one of these players where I think a lot of people will look at his stats in terms of his numbers, touching the ball, etc. I don't think he's that bothered. I think you'll say I had eight touches, so what? Phil Foden should have put him in last week, tap in. Phil Foden this week should have put him in again. Pep was fuming with <laughs> Phil Foden because he's obviously told him they've done the analysis in the Bournemouth game, five-yard pass, Ellen Haaland tap in. Exactly the same scenario against Newcastle. Doesn't put him in. Cameras panned on Pep, fuming. I don't think he's that bothered. I think he'll look at, I think he'll look at every individual game and go, I hardly touched it. Yes, you want to touch the ball a lot more. So what? We keep winning. And I think that's to come. Um, you know, Haaland is essentially a two-footed player. Yeah. Right. Um, he's got tremendous vision and awareness of what's around him. Obviously, you want to keep him in a central position. Uh, but if in those situations where the opposition packs the box, yeah. Holland can also be somebody who who moves around, who who joins into the, the yeah. into the. It's not his forte there. coming short. No, but he hasn't been asked to do that before. No. He's, still, he's still a young guy. Exactly. He's got the skill set. Uh, he's at his best. It's an area where he can improve because yeah. he has the basic skills to do it. Well, if you go back last week against Bournemouth, they played three at the back and they went really deep. So obviously there's no room for Haaland to run in behind apart from when the game got a bit stretched right. and Kevin De Bruyne put him through. So that's the test that he's got when teams are playing deep against him because he's at his best, in my opinion, when he's got his head down, lays it off, head down, running the box, service. He's got to get the service. Two notable incidents, uh, refereeing incidents in this game. Um, one, Kieran Trippier on Kevin De Bruyne. Um, he comes in from the side. His yeah. foot is definitely high. It's at knee level. Um, referee gives a red card. VAR says take another look. And it goes down to a yellow. Mm. How do you see it? Red card. I do. I see it as a red card because... I thought, and the cameras panned on Kieran Trippier, and this doesn't mean anything in terms of the law, but he shouted to Kevin De Bruyne, shouting, Kev, Kev, I had to take you out, because he realised where Kevin De Bruyne was going to end up if he went past him centrally, going to score, going to create, so he had to take him out for the team. I just thought it was a little bit high, it was knee level. I thought it was dangerous. I don't think there was malice to hurt him. I don't think... But it's, it's kind of where he gets his timing wrong. Yes. He can do some serious damage. He could, because... In a different scenario, you'd say to Kieran Trippier, if you're going to take someone out in that scenario, be a little bit more cute. 
take him low, trip him up. Yeah, that's what I didn't, I didn't. I don't understand why he's so high. Because if your objective is just to trip him, yeah. like, and it's a tactical foul, fine. Yeah. You know, you'll get you'll take the. That's yeah. why I thought red. But why go high? I don't understand. No, I mean, not because he's bad. He just made a bad decision. Or yeah. he, couldn't, um, he felt he couldn't reach him. It's hard. It's hard because again, talking about the biomechanics of the game or the, or the or the type of tackle, he would have probably put his foot high towards his knee. Then he was probably, and this is moving at a million miles an yeah, hour. Of course. So you go in high, but you want to have the connection low. And Kevin De Bruyne was so quick and so strong, he ended up catching him around the knee. So right. I thought the referee in real time called it correct. I thought it was a red card. Um, another one. I think we might disagree on this one. Yeah. John Stones on Fabian Schar. Because I thought that's a penalty. I thought that should have been a penalty. Stones, I think, is out of control when he catches him. I think he catches him with his elbow as well. Um, you don't see no. it that way, do you? No, I don't. I don't. I, I think it's one of them, guys. For a Newcastle fan, you're I know. pretty anti No, I'm today. not, because I can sit here and be biased as you like and lie through my teeth if you want, but I'm just giving you my honest you opinion. Do think you, you think a defender, you don't think I that's think, a foul? A defender should be allowed to defend I that think, way. I think, if you, I think if you give them, Gab, you are having 100 fouls a game and five penalties, 10 penalties every defender, game. Defender, you don't think I that's think, a foul? A defender should be allowed to defend I that think, way. I think, if you, I think if you give them, Gab, be, I always hear this argument. The same thing with shirt pulling. Oh, if you give them, then you'll have no, because defenders won't defend like. But that. it was it was a challenge in the air from a diagonal pass that both players had gone up to try and win the header, and it's a contact sport. The last time I checked, and it was an accidental coming together. I don't see that as being deliberate from John Stones. I don't see it being a deliberate foul where the referee goes, "That's a must. That's a penalty." I think as a referee, you I watch that. I don't think intent necessarily matters when it comes to giving penalties. Right? I know. I know, but so, I but I always lean on. I always lean on. Is it deliberate? I, I is it, it accidental? You, you're, you're so concerned about not wanting to appear no, biased just, in favour of Newcastle. No, I can lie if you want. I can <laughs> no, lie if you want and go. Kevin Tripp, your yellow card. Actually, play on and give Newcastle five penalties. I can lie if you want, but it's not me. All right. Um, regular listeners will know that we often focus on the so in the Premier League on on the big six and so on, and for for obvious reasons. But. Um, I think we need to talk a little more about Newcastle because yeah. when the takeover happened, obviously there was so much focus on the human rights concerned and stupid nonsense with people pretending that the public investment fund is not the sovereign fund of Saudi Arabia, but whatever. I don't want to go down that route. But what was interesting to me is immediately people thought, oh, rich guy, you know, they've got so much money, they're going to go and they're going to spend and spend and spend. and." Mm. He hasn't done that. He's gone uh, as a club. Yeah. Um, you know, started with Eddie Howe. And with Eddie Howe, at first I thought, eh, Eddie Howe's maybe not really comfortable with superstars. Um, but then it seems to be continuing with Ashworth. Where what they're doing is they're bringing in players who, who are going to make them better. It seems to be a much more gradual. Yeah. I think also a more sustainable thing. Because what's very different, and I've said this before, about between the Abu Dhabi approach and the public investment fund approach. The Abu Dhabi approach is, all right, we're going to be a big advert for Abu Dhabi, right? Mm -hmm. So when we do that, this is almost like a marketing expense for us because we're going to promote Abu Dhabi and whatever else. Public investment fund is slightly different. I think they need to show a return. They can't just lose mm -hmm. hundreds of millions yeah. over the years, as as Manchester City did in, in, in the early years. And without some of those local sponsorships, probably still would. Um, what do you make of this approach? Because part of the risk, if you do this, you can improve gradually. Yeah. At some point, though, you need to kick on into that's the obviously top the six plan. or top four. That's the plan. 
But I think I, I, I listened to Eddie Howe the other day, Gab, and he was talking about the signings of Bruno Gimaresh and Kieran Trippier. And he said the best thing about those two signings was both of them didn't ask for any release clauses in their contract if Newcastle went down because they were in the bottom three when they signed yeah. and they were, they were virtually gone. So that's, that, that told Eddie Howe that these guys were up for the fight. Then you bring in Sven Botman, who's a really good centre-back. You sign Matt Target. You sign Nick Pope. It's gradual. I think, it would be, I think they'd be foolish if they went out and, and shelled out £100 million on a superstar that's not got the hunger. I think there's players out there. We, we love Italian football, and I think Victor Osimhen is one of the best young players, and I love watching him play. And he reminds me a little bit of Tino Aspira, a former Newcastle player. They would idolise him, but maybe that's a move for probably, I don't know, two or three windows down the line. If you're going for that elite player, and I think at that level he, you would need to have Champions League. Football absolutely. So, so if it, he moves, it, he's going to have other clubs. Exactly. So, so why would he make that move when he's in the Champions League at the moment? So it's trying to get Newcastle into European football, and I think the job that Eddie Howe's done. Because when he took over, I was with you, Gab. But I was like Eddie Howe. That's a good signing. But whenever he was at Bournemouth for the four, five, six years he was there, he was averaging sixty-five goals against every single right. season. I was thinking, how's he going to shore it up? I've got to say the job he's done. And I know a few guys that have worked under him and they said his work ethic and his knowledge on the game is phenomenal. Right. I got two distinct footballing questions here. Uh, ex pro type questions. He played Dan Byrne at left back. Yeah. Um it seems counterintuitive to me to pay somebody who is... And I don't know, he's a fine player, he's played on the left-hand side of... But it worried me when I seen who he's going to play against, Bernardo well, that, Silva. I know, Bernardo Silva is extremely gifted. He's not necessarily a speedster. Yeah. But equally, you're playing the little tricky guy. You're six foot... What is he, six six? Something like six, that, Six seven? Yeah. yeah. It's just simply harder for somebody that big in the open space. Yeah. There's a reason, like, you know, fullbacks aren't... <laughs> normally aren't bigger than six one six two. is that it's really difficult one-on-one yeah. on one to handle somebody. Yeah. And yet, what, what was Hal thinking there? Well, Matt Target was injured, so he couldn't play him. So it was either Matt Ritchie... Um, who's, who's not a left-back. Exactly. He's more of a wing-back, winger type. And Dan Burns played in a left of a three and very versatile when he was at Brighton, so he can play there. And, it, I and think it's not it, like he went forward a marauding run. No, but I, I, think, I think you say to Dan Byrne, I think, I think you say when... When your right back's bombing up and down the right hand side, make sure you tuck in. He's a, he's a, he's a good centre back who knows the right. game, so he understands how the flow of the game's going to go. And by the way, don't get too tight to Bernardo Silva because he'll rip you apart. <laughs> exactly. So what you do is you show him in traffic. That. Unfortunately, for Newcastle, he was at fault for the first goal when Bernardo Silva chopped him inside out and then he put the cross in the box. It's one of them, I think, for Eddie Howe. You say to Dan Byrne, get me through the next yeah. couple of weeks. You, you have to be realistic, I think, when you speak of a player like that. You have to know the player, yeah. know what he can do, know, know what he can't do. It's exactly. just simply not fair and to it, expect them to defend uh, one-on-one. Like exactly, and, it, cold. and took yeah. yourself in when crosses are coming on that side, try and get yourself close to Erlen Haaland. It was, it, was, it was the only logical move that Eddie Howe could do. All right, the other guy we need to talk about is Alan St. Maximin, because we have seen... Since he's been here, you know, you said before this could have been his best game. Definitely. Obviously, he had the two assists and everything. But really, from the time he first came, there's always an air of menace when he gets the ball. Yeah. And chaos as well. And chaos because this guy's just going to start running with it. Yeah. Uh, he rarely loses it. It's almost like playground stuff. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, I think there's been a progression, there's been an awareness of when to release the ball, exactly. of who's around him, of not doing everything um, on your own. Exactly. I think it helps that he's got better players around him. Yeah. Um, how good can he be? 
I mean, is there another level for him Absolutely. to go to? Absolutely. Of course there is. Um, and that's that's the job of a manager, to make your players better. And that's what he's done to St Maximan. We've seen St Maximan at Newcastle rip some teams apart, but also in the same game, have some really poor decisions when you've got a simple pass to make. He's like a Roy Rovers stuff. He's like, I'll get it, I'll take everyone on and I'll score. It's impossible. That's dreamland stuff. And when I watch St Maximan now under Eddie Howe, and there was lovely things I seen in the Man City game where at times he popped it off nice, nice and simply because you can't take everyone on because yeah. if you try and do that in the Premier League you will last 45 minutes or an hour and you'll be gone now he's popping it off at the right times he's making good decisions then you get him 1v1 and you say take him on if I'm in midfield playing I'm playing with St Maxim I'm saying stay there I'm going to get you the ball as much as I can and just keep giving him the ball and taking him on and he give Carl Walker and John Stones a nightmare at an elite level we've seen him tear Burnley apart and teams down in the, in the bottom end of the Premier League apart this was elite level and elite performers he was sensational all right, I'm going to ask you as, as a fan and as an analyst and as an ex-pro, what's, what's Newcastle's ceiling? Because when I look at this, we mentioned some of the, the good players. When mm-hmm. Callum Wilson's fit and healthy, I think he can be very good. Why didn't I look at that midfield? And I know Joe Linton's been reinvented yep. as, as a midfielder. But then, you see, you know, you've got Bruno Marash, who's very good. He's with Joe Linton. And Joe Willick. Yeah. So Willick, a guy who, when he was 18 or 19, we were, we were super excited, hasn't, hadn't quite made the grade. Could he be one of those guys who kind of mid-career, you know, kind of reaches the potential that, that had been laid out for him? Yeah. I don't know. And Joe Linton reinvented as a midfielder. Mm. It's a different skill playing midfield Absolutely. To, to what he's what he'd done all his life. Yeah. Is this good enough? It's good enough for now, Gab. Well, when I saw Longstaff come on, I'm also like, wait, is there somebody on the bench who's out who I'm forgetting who's really good? Like- <laughs> it's, it's, it's good enough for now because you can't just, you can't just turn around and go, oh, I'll tell you what, we, need, we want Bernardo Silva, we want Kevin De Bruyne. You can't get these players now. So what you do as a coach, you make your players better. And when I heard Eddie Howe was going to t- turn Joe Linton into a central midfield player, I was like, there's not a chance. I've spent 17 years as a central midfield player or a number 10. It's not happening. <laughs> no, it's not going to work. And then you sit there and you watch it and you go, it's only worked. Right, so that's the power and that's, that's, that's the charm and that's the quality of Eddie Howe. To turn that player who couldn't score off the left-hand side as a number nine into a midfield player. It's an unbelievable gap. So you sit here and watch Newcastle now and you go, actually, that three complement each other really well. You've got the physicality of Joe Linton. Joe Willock is box-to-box, gets in the box, scores goals, gets assists. You've got the, the brilliance of Gimmaresh. I mean, I love him. He's a cult hero already. So you go for now. It's, it's good enough for where Newcastle want to try and be, which I think is top 10 in a good cup run, and there's better plays to come. So that is, if, if they finish top 10 and they go on a cup run and Perfect. seem to get better as a team, Perfect. you're happy with that? All Newcastle fans are, Gab. Yeah. Newcastle fans get painted of being unrealistic. That's not what Newcastle fans are about. They want hope. They've got owners in charge, a manager in charge, players that perform and care, and they want to know that every single week... Newcastle fans will tell you, Gab, they, they want to be known as an entertaining side, a hard-working side. You know where it's like up there. They pay their money, they want to watch good football, and you want to have the hope that you can beat anyone in the Premier League. And that told me yesterday that Newcastle will, will not challenge Man City and Liverpool and Chelsea's... Forget about it. Well, the way you're talking, they're not going to challenge... Top four, United no either. chance. Well, United, that's another story. I, 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 I w- I'm telling you now, Newcastle fans now would snap your hands off for 8th or ninth and go deep into a cup run. All right, Newcastle fans, we don't often talk about you, but we did today. Do you agree? 8th or ninth and a good cup run. This would satisfy this particular Newcastle fan. How about you? 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough Newcastle and enough City. How about some quick hits? Do it. Leeds United hammer Chelsea 3-0 and Thomas Tuchel is understandably grumpy, blaming individual mistakes and also an unavailable plane. Uh, Don, is that all there is to it? Just individual Did mistakes? Did you hear what he said as well? We went, we were the better side. Thomas Tuchel said, we were the better side. You've just been thumped at Leeds and you come out with, we were the better side. They've started the season slowly. Apart from the Tottenham game, I thought they were average in the first game against Everton. They looked way off the pace. Um, looking at the numbers, and I'm not really a stats man, but Leeds ran 14, just under 14k more. Yeah. So when Chelsea. that was put to Tuchel, he said, that's not important. That's not relevant. That's Ask not- Jesse Marsh, who believes in the data. That's not important. We hammered Man United the week before. Yeah. I, I, I think running around more than the opposition helps if the opposition can't play through you. It's not the be-all and end-all, but it's worrying. That's like having an extra player. Extra player runs about 11, 12k. I don't know. I, I, I think the main, their, their main issue is they didn't move the ball quickly enough and he didn't capitalize on their chances and the individual mistakes. But you, st- you still got to give a lot of credit to Leeds. Yeah, absolutely. Gab, so Jesse Marsh, Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson, plenty MLS. What a performance. And they're brilliant, aren't they? Yeah, so I was curious about this because inevitably having three U.S. Uh, guys so involved in it, three MLS alums as well, yeah. right? Um, and by the way, we have a story. Tom Hamilton's coming out with a story. He spent time up at uh, Leeds United. Can you give us some insight on how Jesse Marsh is doing it? I don't know that the MLS angle is significant. I think just as significant is the fact that all of them played or, or were involved with the Red Bull organization at yeah. some point. And it's very much in the DNA. Obviously, Tyler Adams coming from Leipzig. Yeah. Aronson had been at Salzburg. Um, you know, Jesse Marsh coached Salzburg, coached Red Bull New York before that, which is where Tyler Adams was, was before that. So I think having these very fit, very athletic, very smart, very aware younger players who give that energy. Mm. I think all of this helps. I think he's done a good job too, the fact that in some way that was already there with Bielsa. Yeah. He I think has added another layer to it in the sense that they do run a lot, he's but I think it's more, it's more focused. It's not a bunch of one-to-one battles. That's all what I was just going to say. Took, Jesse Marsh has took them away from that 1v1 defending, man-marking all over the pitch, which I never, ever would thought would have worked ever. You can man-mark someone. Who I mean, saying, saying that very quickly, I got asked to man-mark Prozaneski once and he tore me to shreds. Let's not go there. Still giving me nightmares. And, well, Prozaneski, I think, is now in his 60s, so there you go. <laughs> Manchester United host Liverpool in a few hours as we record this on a Monday morning, but Don, they've been busy. Casemiro is on his way, according to reports. He's done a medical and that they're only waiting on a visa for him. 
How much has he moved the needle? Not much. And that's not doing him any disservice because one player can't move the needle that much. What I do think, Gab, is I remember hearing the news about a week ago and I thought, fantasy. There's no way he's leaving Real Madrid Champions League to go to Man United. No disrespect whatsoever, but you're giving up Champions League football. Um, I thought he was comfortable at Real Madrid. I didn't see the move happening. Fast forward a few days, now that he is going to sign. I think what it does is it sends a ripple out there, Gab. Because if you're trying to sign Anthony and Frankie de Jong, they're looking at Man United, bottom of the league, thinking, no chance. You get Casemiro in, if you're Frankie de Jong now or Anthony, you might be thinking, oh, hello. Yeah. Well, hello. We'll get to Anthony later. We'll, we'll get to look. He's going to make them better because Casemiro is Definitely. better than McTominay. Exactly. Simple as. However, if you talk all about philosophy, project, the Ten Hag way and stuff, Casemiro hasn't been playing the Eric Ten Hag way. He's been playing a very different brand of football at Real Madrid. So, what, are we just abandoning this project now, just going for talent? No, I, I, think, I don't know. That, that, that's, that's the I thing think that... he'll want that number six where he's got a bit of presence. All right. We'll I see. think he's got yeah, it. I, I mean, mean, talking talking Casemiro, Real Madrid destroyed Celta 4-1. Chiumaini in that role. Played well, didn't he? Uh, he did after kind of a rocky start. Uh, but I think he showed that he has all the tools for that role. And yeah. look, this isn't what he was doing at Monaco. Monaco, he did a bit of everything. Here, assuming Ancelotti keeps the same... The same setup, and he might not. He might go with a, you know, Chouameni, Kamavinga, and somebody else in front. I, I don't know, um, but he definitely has the personality, and he yeah. has the intelligence, and obviously the technical ability too. Uh, but it's a position I think that you learn over time, and he's still just 22 years old. Mm. Uh, it was interesting in this game because they got so much down the left hand side with Vinicius, was yeah. simply, simply devastating. I think there's other things they need to check elsewhere. Eden Hazard missed a penalty. Not going to help his, uh, his confidence goal. at all. Modric's goal. How does he do it? A Modric, yeah, just special. Like, like you know, he's he's basically stopped time. <laughs> is what Luka Modric uh, has done at this stage. I do wonder with Casemiro gone. I'm just going to throw this out there. No, been banging the Cristiano back to the Bernabeu drum all summer. Uh, maybe it won't be him, but they've lost four players from last season, uh, and they've only brought in two. Mm. I think they're a little short on bodies now. I wonder. If they're, even though they said, no, we're done with the transfers, wonder if they might not have something up their sleeve between now and wow. September 1st. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lock and load. It's more quick hits. Arsenal are top of the league and perfect with three wins in three games. Don, it's coming together nicely for Mikel Arteta. It is. All the drama from last season when the three games in, there were rock bottom and Aubameyang's situation, then he was brave enough to move him on. Arsenal fans at the time didn't see the bigger picture. They all thought we missed out on top four. We should have kept Aubameyang. I think for the dressing room, it's healthy. They're playing well. The signings have been good. Odegaard was brilliant at the weekend. As we know about all their youngsters, Saka, Martinelli, Smithrow, etc., they're an exciting side to watch. I think, I feel as, I don't know about you, that Arteta's putting his stamp on things. I think he's doing incredible stuff. He is. What's interesting is, compared to last year when they had zero points after three games, of course, what people sometimes forget is that two of those three games were exactly. against the European champions, Chelsea, and the uh, Premier League champions, exactly. Manchester City. Whereas this year, it's been more of a softer start. And a soft run, 
kind of continues between now and the North London Derby on October mm. 1st. So it'd be really interesting to see. They could really get out of the gates very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain, perfect start in Ligue 1, destroying Leeds 7-1. How good were they, Gab? Uh... Mbappe gets a hat-trick, Neymar uh, gets a hat-trick of assists. Neymar scored in every game so far. This will be, people, all those Neymar haters out there saying, yeah. he's done? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Messi looked like his old self. I think to some degree, our old mate, Paolo Fonseca, kind of played into it a little bit because he likes to be very aggressive and stuff. Well, you do when you yeah, give a goal away after eight seconds, didn't you? Well, we're going to get to that. In fact, I need you to tell me, did you like that? That, 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 that goal after eight seconds. And it's obviously part of a trend because we've seen Brentford, Sparta, Rayo Vallecano. It makes it seem pretty simple from the kickoff. Why did nobody think of this earlier? Because inevitably, when you pass the ball back, the opposing defense is going to squeeze up, but then you get to see somebody running the other way. Because it's so basic. It's like the manager, it's like your manager doesn't have to tell you, Gab, don't give a goal away after eight seconds. Because you know this is basic stuff. This is yeah, but the manager is also telling your back four. All right, let's be aggressive let's against Mbappe. Some... <laughs> it's like well, diff- you want you you want your back four to just sit deep. Well, deep. I mean, I, I mean, you're eight seconds in. I mean, don't give a goal away for a start. I mean, it sticks you on the back foot straight away, doesn't it? So, Gab Bayern, the superpower, got off to a blistering start as they won seven nil. Bochum. They're not missing Lewandowski, are they? Uh, no, well, the numbers speak for themselves, right? It's, it's, it's three games, three wins, 15 goals scored, uh, one goal conceded, which is perhaps... And that one goal, by the way, was a Neuer individual mistake. Yeah. Uh, to me, that is possibly the most impressive part, how like they've looked so defensively solid. Obviously, they lost uh, away to Bochum uh, last time around. He just has so many solutions. I'm not going to say that they're better without Lewandowski, but... I think they're better suited to what he wants to do. And by the way, it's not like Lewandowski was, you know, replaced by Joe Schmo. He was replaced by Sadio (laughs) Mane, who's a pretty useful player. Harry Kane scores the 250th goal of his career as Spurs down Wolves 1-0. Don, how did they look? Not particularly good, Gab. Wolves bopped them off the pitch for what I saw. I watched the whole game and I thought they looked a little bit leggy Tottenham. I thought Son's been dragged off in a couple of games. Harry Kane, yes, he scored a couple of goals, but didn't really have a kick. Well, one goal. Yeah. Um, Any of the woodwork. Well, scored last week, didn't he, against yeah. Chelsea? So a couple of goals I meant right. in, in the last couple of games. Their preseason's been pretty tough. Um, really tough. Um, I was speaking to an insider in their camp, and when they went to Indonesia, they landed in, in uh, Indonesia and they got off straight to a football pitch. And Antonio Conte had them doing 42 box to boxes. So, what I'm seeing in my mind's eye, I'm seeing a team that is super fit but not particularly sharp. Even though Kane, as I said, got them two couple of goals, but I think a lot of their players and their fitness will come towards the end of the season where they start producing. I think they'll look at better. Dividends in the future, exactly that. Exactly. By the way, oh, plane to Indonesia. I'm sure they had those nice. No, um, I mean, no, I I didn't mean the plane. I didn't mean the plane. I meant getting (laughs) off it and say, by the way, can you do 42 box to boxes? That's pretty tough. Uh, Defending champions, Gab Milan, were held to one-one by Atalanta. How was the game? How did it go? So I thought Atalanta, they set up slightly differently. They were not as open uh, as they were in uh, last season. They, they had the, the two strikers up front. I think they created the better chances definitely in the first half. Milan looked uh, lackluster. But this is the thing about Milan this year. After the break, he goes. He changed his entire front four. Off go, go uh, Messias and Brahim Diaz. Rafael Leao, who had a poor game. Uh, Rebic. Income, Salamakers, Charles de Ketelaer, Origi, Giroud. And then 
it's like a different team. It's like a different front four. You can do that with five subs now. Yeah. They got their intensity, took a tremendous goal from uh, uh, from Benacer. If you haven't seen this, uh, go and check it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a point away to Atalanta is a good point. Yeah. Ajax win away to Sparta Rotterdam 1-0, but they do it without Anthony, who is heavily linked to Manchester United. Don, is he what they need? Yes, because he's a good player. Um, another winger? Another, really? uh, well, I know. I just, listen, it, it's the manager. I mean, Anthony's a brilliant player. I mean, the, the, the last couple of seasons that he had, especially in the Champions League, they've been sensational with him. He's, he's got a wand of a left foot. He's very much Hakim Ziyech. He's another player that's a brilliant player. Why did you just sign Hakim Ziyech then and well, sell some money? Well, listen, Gab, it, wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if that was the plan. It wouldn't surprise me if Ajax's plan was to get 80, 90 million for Anthony and bring Ziyech back. No, why don't United sign Ziyech then? Oh, well, no. I, 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 listen, who, who, who knows what darts they're chucking out there? I don't think anyone's got a clue what their, what their policy is, but another good sign, and I think he improves them for sure. Yeah, uh, the Ajax coach would kind of trolling him as like I can't sell my entire team here but <laughs> from what I know I hope Anthony stays because we're in the Champions League yeah United uh, or not well back to Serie A Inter Rompa Spezia I mean the good old Latara Martinez Lukaku partnership yeah um, I thought Lukaku was was tremendous um, and I'm so impressed because I don't think it was a given that immediately the so-called Lula partnership would work again because it was under Conte last time around. Um, I think it's less about sort of patterns of play now. Um, I think they have a little more freedom. Obviously, they have other, I think, stronger options in terms of who can, they can bring in off the bench and Conte mm-hmm. and Dzeko. Um, I think they're just in a really, really good place right now. Yeah. And I think it's a credit to Inzaghi and how quickly it's worked. And he's kind of put the Conte comparisons to one side. Mm-hmm. Your former club, Everton, get their point, first point of the season, drawing 1-1 with Nottingham Forest. But it's kind of feel like two points dropped. Yeah, I was on comms for this game, Gab, and it was alarming the lack of quality that Everton had. Um, midfielder Wobie actually played quite well in the game. He was industrious. He broke up play. Tom Davies alongside them. Both of them didn't really create anything. Rondon didn't really have a kick. Um, Anthony Gordon was trying too hard. There was there were spells in the game because I think the start that Everton's had after a couple of games, you get you, you, you get Forest at home. And the it good is, be, it's a newly promoted side. Exactly. So players, the Everton fans would have players been, unavailable. Yes, but there the Everton fans would have been looking at that game, thinking this has to be a three points. If we're going to stay up, we have to beat Nottingham Forest. And they really struggled. And then with ten minutes ago, they go one behind. Panic station sets in. You think we're taking nothing from the game when we need all three. Then Anthony Gordon to the rescue. In the end, it's a couple of points dropped for sure. But in the end, being one behind, ten minutes to go, you sort of take a point. Not a good performance. But talking about not a good performance, what a wonderful performance from Ansu Fati. He stole the show in Barca's 4-1 win against Sociedad. Yeah, uh, he came on uh, as a substitute. Um, look, I, I stole the show. I mean, you could say Robert Lewandowski scored inside of a minute. Uh, it was his 34th birthday, then added another goal. Um, I thought this was a really convincing performance. It was tight in the first half. Uh, obviously, Isak putting Real Sociedad uh, um, ahead, or not ahead, equalizing early. Chances for both sides. In the second half, they turned on the afterburners. And I think... You know, he started with Ferran um, on, on the flank with Dembele on the other one. There was a sense that, you know, oh, he wants his wingers to go wide. Ansu Fati doesn't really do that. Mm. But Ansu Fati is just a phenomenal footballer. Yeah. The little back heel to, 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 to set up the Dembele goal. Um, he's special. I think it was important to have a big convincing win over a good side to kind of, you know, 
just fuel the the, the, the project a little bit more. Mm. Now, I hate to tell you this, Don, but none of your former clubs in the top flight have won a game See, yet. I don't buy season. that. I don't buy that when you say I hate to tell you this. <laughs> I think you love it. That includes West Ham, who lose at home to Brighton 2 0. I mean, shocker of a performance. Yeah. It was a shocker. Right, I so, mean, so let's move on from that because it was pretty dirty. <laughs> shocker. And Bright, they've never beat Brighton in the Premier League. Ever. I mean, ridiculous. Uh, huge win for Unai Emery and Villarreal. They beat Atletico Madrid at the Wanda. Are they struggling at Atletico Madrid? Yeah, not a good start to the season. They had their chances. They were unlucky, I thought, after Mateus Cunha come on. But Villarreal hanging in there. A lot of people, the smart money suggests Villarreal for top four um, could happen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wild stuff at the Westfalen dawn. Borussia Dortmund are 2-0 up at home with a minute or so to go, and they somehow lose 3-2. Have you ever seen anything like this? Dortmund do it all the time, Gap. Uh, they do. It's, it's, it's the one club, I think, in European football, since I've been watching the Bundesliga for many a years, that this type of result is in their DNA. Forever. You can never bank on it. I mean, with a minute and a half to go, I mean, you've got to win the game, surely. But it's Dortmund, it's what they do, it's, whether it's against Mainz or Freiburg, you can never count on them in any particular game. It's what we used to call Spursy, right? There you go, Dortmundy. <laughs> but but I, I, I will say this, I, I, I really like Edin Terzic, I like to look for mitigating circumstances, and look, they had Modest in there, who's 34, and really not settled into this team at all, and obviously kind of like an emergency signing. Mm. Uh, the young kid, Jamie Bino-Gittens, I don't think he's quite ready yet. They do have other options. They can yeah. have a bunch of injuries. Obviously, no Daniel Malin, no, no Adeyemi. That said, the performance was absolutely terrible. They scored two goals, two great goals, Brandt and uh, Rafael Guerrero. I think those were their only two shots on target all game. And to let it slip like that when you're 2-0 up, I mean, there should be an inquest, I think, not so much on the slipping, or, or mm. as much on letting the, the, the game slip away like that mm. as it is the performance and what happened in those previous 89 minutes because they were played off the park by Werder Bremen. Yeah, wow. Um, right, so Napoli. So they've lost Insignia, Dreams Mertens, Koulibaly. Let's talk about the new boy, Kavicha Kavitskelia. Looks oh, a player, doesn't he? Oh, there you go. You've been practicing the Absolutely. pronunciation. Absolutely, my job. Uh, Kvara is what he's got in the back of his shirt, what he's happy for people to call him. Uh, <laughs> this guy's ridiculous. He scored a tremendous goal. Um, Osimhen also chipping in uh, with a very good goal. He's just, so, he's just electric. He's, he's electric. They love their little quick players. He plays with so much aggression and so much quality. Uh, they've got nine goals in the first two games. Obviously put five away mm-hmm. um, uh, to Verona on opening day. It seems to me so far, and you know, Spalletti's teams often start well and so on, but this is pretty impressive. Talk about reloading on the fly, the, 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 the big Korean defender, Kim, also getting on yeah. the score sheet again. He's got huge shoes to fill, to fill in Koulibaly's. Mm-hmm. So far, so far... They look good. I may, I may need to revisit my uh, top four predictions. Ooh. Wow. Punishments for the Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte melee have come through. Tuchel gets a one-game ban. Conte gets nothing. Sound fair to you, Don? 
I think the thing that's got Thomas Tuchel in a lot more trouble was the comments about the referee after the game. It wasn't so much, in my humble opinion, the antics during the game, the handshake, which has gone viral. I think it's when he got in the press conference afterwards and he was talking about Anthony Taylor and he said he feels unfair that he gets a one-game ban but the ref can whistle next week. I think that's probably what's done it for him. I think there was no need to sort of go there. Okay. I also assume that if he hadn't done that kind of psycho thing of grabbing Conte's hand and not letting go, yeah. thereby engendering the whole melee that, that followed, um, they might have overlooked his post-game comments. I, I, personally, I wouldn't have banned either one. I think you can't have it both ways. I, mm. I, I I, I watch this and, and the, the, the commentators and the ex-pros are there. Oh, look, it's the Premier League. Oh, they care so much. Oh, that passionate. You, can, you can't have it both ways. You want these guys to behave like, yeah. like you know WWE guys? Yeah. That's fine. But then you can't go and then punish them uh, for it, in my opinion. Yeah. I think you could have let them both off with, with a warning, personally. Uh, back to Barca, Gab. Jules Kunde not being registered. What is happening? Well, they're still they're still down. They still haven't met the uh, requirements. We kind of knew that. Obviously, there's still some contracts they hope to restructure. I think the simplest, quickest way is selling somebody. Um, I think they're very close. Got to be fuming as the player, though, ain't you? Yeah, but he knew he knew he knows the situation. He knew he knows it was going to happen. So I would assume I'd be very surprised if one out of Frankie De Jong, Memphis. Memphis Depay or Aubameyang um, isn't sold between now and the end of the week. I can't imagine. To make this I can't imagine how he's feeling though. Sitting there going, "Look, I've signed for Barcelona. Oh, I can't play. I'm not registered." I mean, he can read and write. He's, he's read the papers. He knows the situation. He knows they have to sell. I, he would have something in there where, you know, if he's not registered, I would assume. If I was his agent, I said, right, "If you're not registered by a certain date, remember they can also register him." After the season, if they restructure, after the season begins, uh, or sorry, after the transfer window closes, if they don't get it done, I would assume he becomes a free agent at that mm. stage. Yeah, um, which is not a bad position for Jules Kounde to be in, by the way. But I, I think of those three, the likeliest to move, in my opinion, is actually Memphis Depay, mm. because there's more at stake for him with the World Cup and everything about needing playing time. I think there's more of a market for him yep. than there is for uh, for Alba. I know Alba's been linked to Chelsea, which makes zero sense to me. Um, and De Jong, I would assume now, with Casemiro signing, I don't mm. think they're going to go and shell out all this no. money now on De Jong as well. So for the three, my guess is it's the pie who moves and he's been strongly linked to Juve as well as other clubs. Yeah. Brendan Rodgers leaves out Wesley Fofana this weekend, suggesting he wasn't in the right state of mind. And they lose 2-1 at home to Southampton. Don, your thoughts? My thoughts are he will move. Um, I think it's a good play, I think, from Leicester. Um, why? Why You're not playing your best defender? In well, no. I, I mean, in the, I mean, in the short term and the long term, if Fofana doesn't want to be there, and you can move him on for a ridiculous fee, by the way, I'm not sure how Chelsea will or how they warrant he's worth about 85 million quid on a on a player that's hardly played, been injured. Prospect, good, potential, very good, but hasn't really done it at Leicester. I think in patches he's been quite good. So he's I think very good before his injury, no? Well, yeah, but I mean, you've been injured and hardly played. I mean, you know, 85 million pound gap. It's like, I think we get a little bit lost when we talk numbers. I, I think the, the common fan does. I think we get lost. Close to 100 million quid, 85 million quid. It's an unbelievable amount of player. It's how then you spend it. If yes, he leaves them short. I mean, Amata and Johnny Evans were the centre-backs. 
So it does leave them short. But if you give him enough time, Brendan Rodgers, surely he strengthens with that amount of money. Yeah, I personally, if I was Chelsea, I wouldn't go that far on Fofana. Um, I would just sit tight, you know, let the World Cup pass, see what happens. I don't know if he's going to, if he'll be going to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, have a conversation in January. But you can't be held to ransom. I mean, Leicester's not held to ransom. Leicester yeah, yeah. have a right to charge whatever they Absolutely. want. And they have a right to bench uh, Fofana. If and they know Chelsea are desperate. I, absolutely. But I, I don't, also don't think, frankly, that he solves all of Chelsea's problems on his own. I mean, like, mm. we, we talked about Chelsea letting Christensen and, and Rudiger leaving. Right, fine. They brought in Koulibaly and they brought in Kukurea, right? Yeah. So it's two in, two out, right? Yeah. Do you absolutely need to add Fofana now as well? I'm not so sure. I'm not mm. so sure. How about we see what, Maling, what, 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 what Chaloba can do, Aspilicueta sticking around, you know, maybe you play back four. I mean, at some point, you know, you got to go to Tuchel and say, hey, Tommy, yeah, what you, you know, it's not Christmas every day. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Uh, so first was Elon Musk, then Jim Ratcliffe, two very wealthy men linked with Man United. How hopeful would Man United fans be that something's actually going to happen? So... A couple of things here. First of all, the, the Elon Musk, and I don't speak from personal experience, although we did go to university together. Um, is that a fact? It is a wow. fact, yes. He, he tweeted out, oh, I've been buying Manchester United, and then like three hours later he goes and says, oh, no, by the way, that's a long-running Twitter joke. I'm not, I'm not going to buy any sports club. It's funny because in those three hours, I can imagine the effect that it would have had on the share price. I'm not sure the markets were open at the time, but still. This Jim Ratcliffe thing it just seems completely opportunistic to me, right? So... I, I don't know Jim Ratcliffe. He's the mm. owner of Nice. He's a very wealthy man. You remember with Chelsea, like when Chelsea said, okay, or well, the government said, okay, we're going to yeah. sell it. There's a tender process. And basically he does nothing. And then he pops out with a letter saying, I'm not going to proceed in the tender process, but here's my offer. I, I don't know. Was that a publicity stunt? Well, no well, idea. You shouldn't need it. Here, it seems to me like they're trying to turn screws on the Glazers. Right. I'll tell you what. Uh, while I think it would probably be good for Manchester United if the Glazers were gone and they had somebody else in charge for mm-hmm. many different reasons, um, I don't really like the way that this is this is developing. Um, and I think the Glazers are just going to sit back and say, "Hey, you want to come talk to us?" And we they're not going to the sell all of their shares, are they? Well, they're not. They're not going to just sell some of them to. They, if they're going to stay, they're going to want control, yeah. right? So, Ratcliffe's not going to buy a chunk of United. If he wanted to just buy a chunk of United, he could go and do that hmm. um, on you know they're still on the stock market. Yeah, uh, and you know he wants the voting shares. Those, those, those I think they're Class B shares that give you ten times the voting power. He wants right. control if he buys it. Um, I think it's a still burn. I think if he, was, if he was serious, he'd be talking to the Glazers wow. as well. And there's no indication that he's actually doing that. Back to Leeds, Don. The Athletic reporting that they've turned down a 20 million plus offer from Newcastle United for Jack Harrison, uh, who of course was phenomenal in that game yeah. uh, against uh, against Chelsea. Smart move. Smart move. More than that. I was just going to say smart move if it's 20 million quid because he's worth an awful lot more than that in my opinion. So if you're Newcastle United, you go in with 20 million pound. It seems like a fair offer. But if you're Leeds, you go whoa, 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 whoa. You can double that if you want him. It's 25. There's there's even some suggestion people saying, ooh, you know. Could he be in the World Cup squad? He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a very, very good player, but I think he suits what Leeds want. I think Newcastle would love that type of quality, uh, youth and athleticism through the door. I think he adds a different dimension, even though I think Eddie Howe's done a great job of Almiron. I think he's improving him, but I think if you're Leeds, you're going, nah, you're way off the mark. 20 million, is, 20 million these days, Gab, that seems ridiculously cheap. 
I think you can do better, yeah. Yeah. A tough weekend for Leipzig. They lose 2-1 away to Union Berlin and they get trolled by the opposition fans. Yeah, I like this is a long-running story. And Union Berlin, as you know, Leipzig are about as popular as venereal disease <laughs> football fans in Germany, right? Because they represent feeling us wrong, supposedly artificial club, and skirting the rules. And um, they they kind of reminded everybody that, you know, they, according to them, there have been 19 transfers between um, Salzburg and Leipzig. And yet, these are supposedly two wholly independent clubs, which obviously... Yeah. We all know they're not no. really. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a funny one. It, it speaks to the fact that there's still this rejection in, in the Bundesliga, more so than any other leagues, mm. of these types of models. There's come debates about the 50 plus 1 rule and whatever. Uh, suffice to say, most fans in Germany, most neutrals, are only happy when Leipzig lose. Uh, it's a big win for Union Berlin. Let's not yeah. forget, they are the second team from Berlin. Historically, they're tiny relative to Hertha. And um, for Leipzig, this is not a game, I think, where they would have necessarily budgeted uh, a loss. And, um, and they're also annoyed, unsurprisingly, with Bayern Munich because those stories about uh, Conrad Leimer uh, supposedly going to, uh, going to Munich as well. And it's funny because you look at Bayern, how much they've taken from, mm. not they've taken, you know, they've paid for it, but yeah, from yeah. Nagelsmann, Nupamecano, Sabitzer. Um, it's kind of like, you know, Leipzig are the big dogs, but then there's that bigger dog in yes. Bavaria who does it to them. So, uh, yeah, so I, I have a soft spot for Union Berlin, just like our regular producer, Freddie Arrington, who's got yeah. a proud Union Berlin fan. Eric Bailly reportedly on his way out of Old Trafford and close to a move to Marseille. I, he was in the Phil Jones plan at this stage, right? Surplus to requirements? Just move on. I think if you're Man United, you move him on. I, I think if you're Eric Bailly, I think you'll probably look back at your Man United career and you'll probably think, I mean, had loads of suspensions, injuries, more so, but I don't think he's been given an opportunity. At the same time, I don't think his performance warranted too many starts. I think he's in that, he's in that bracket. If, if you're Eric Ten Hag and you're the coaching staff, you're thinking of a list of players and there's probably about 10 of them that you think, right, move on. Can we get a fee for him? Can we release some wages, if you like? I, yeah. I, I think it makes sense for all parties, I think. My only thing with this is, okay, who's Manchester United's best centre-back when fully fit? don't think he's in there. Sorry? I don't think no, he's no. in there. Like, probably, I, I know. Yeah. I a point, right? Yeah. You're going to say Varane or Maguire, right? Well. Presumably, right? Well. Well. Did, well on form. Whatever I mean, it is. Varane or Maguire, right? When and then it? you have Lindelof and you have Lissandro Martinez, right? Yeah. So th- th- those are essentially, I'm not forgetting anybody, those are essential, I'm not forgetting Phil Jones for obvious reasons, yeah, yeah. right? But those are basically, you say, this is my core of central defenders. And I'll tell you what, it's a long season with, given what we've seen so far from Lissandro Martinez, mm. given Ferran's injury record, given Maguire's season last year, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, if you just let him go and then are you... Are you a centre back short? You know, do you need five centre backs for the season? Would you rather keep the option of maybe no, playing a back three? No, move no. him on because right. I don't think he gets game time. In, and I think that was what frustrated him the most when Varane, Maguire, etc., Lindelof were all out of form. He still couldn't get any starts. Still couldn't get any starts. It was like it must have been so frustrating for him. Nightmare. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, they felt the need to announce they won't be signing Cristiano Ronaldo, but they didn't mind the traction. Yes, Sebastian King joked about this. He says, yeah, I don't know where the rumor came from. He's like, we're still trying to identify that we would be signing uh, Cristiano. Um, Just to put on the record, we are not signing Cristiano Ronaldo, but 
traffic on her website absolutely exploded. Yeah. That, that is the Cristiano effect yeah. now. Uh, and by the way, we can just make a tiny point about this when people come out and say, oh, but if you have Cristiano, he pays for himself with the traffic and the attention and, 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 and the shirt sales or whatever. No, he doesn't pay for himself because Cristiano's agent is not a Muppet. It's George Mendes. He knows what he's doing. He said, all this extra attention, you pay for it when you sign Cristiano. Yeah. So, uh, so no. So it's not surprising. I think I struggle to think of a worse fit than Borussia Dortmund. Yes. And Cristiano, wait, how would Cristiano have reacted if he had been on the pitch after what we saw? Oh, that's it. Well, gone, done. (laughs) Seriously, man. George, get me another move, please. Mark Pulisic, who is Christian Pulisic's dad, is making headlines again after liking some tweets that appear to question his son's lack of playing time. Don, it's not the first time this happens. This was back in May. Why? But what I wonder is. Are we in the media being unfair when we pull family members into no. the headlines? No. What's he doing? What's he, what's he doing liking a tweet because your son's not playing? Well, surely, surely you must be aware that that's going to create some traction. Surely you, you, you can't be naive enough to think, well, if I like this tweet because my son's not playing, no one's going to say anything about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I personally think we pay way too much attention on this, whether it's Cristiano Ronaldo's sister, Neymar's sister, Ronaldo's mom, or, or whoever, right? But that doesn't help. Surely but that... equally, you know, you're an adult. You're an adult. You're a former coach. Uh, you follow your son's career. You've got to know this isn't helping him because somebody's going to create That's the, the problem. But that's the problem. That doesn't help, in my opinion, the relationship between Christian Pulisic and Thomas Tuchel. No, it doesn't. In my opinion. It doesn't. Um, going to Liverpool, Gab, so they've announced that there's a creation of a supporters board. I mean, that's pretty new, pretty radical. Yeah, and they're going to be legally enshrined in the club's articles of association. we got to see eventually what power they have. There's some suggestion that they would have effectively veto power over things like moving the club away from Anfield or joining a breakaway league. Although, again, what does breakaway actually mean? I I, I don't know. I, I think this is an important step, yeah. even on a consultative um, uh, level. Um, obviously, there are going to be 16 seats. Ten of them are going to go to the Spirit of Shankly organization. Right. As we know, as you can go and ask Tom Hicks about this, those guys care a lot about Liverpool, and those guys generally don't turn the other cheek. So I think it's an important step for Liverpool, and I'd focus more on that on the consultation side than mm. You know, whatever actual power it's got to be healthy and have. It's got to yeah. be healthy. It, I, I, I think it's healthy. I think it's good for the game. Right, that brings us to an end. But um, Gavin Jules will be back on Thursday without me because I'm going to be in Istanbul, wow. not Constantinople, uh, for the uh, Champions League draw. It's it's that it's that time. It's that time again. That's exciting. But Don, thanks for coming in. Uh, be sure to be back on Thursday. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% 
93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 